Ashley Brock reading Diana Palmer's book Lawless, Lawless Chapter 7. By the time Christy got home, unsaddled her mount, and gave the rifle back to the cowboy she borrowed it from, Judd and Tippy were gone. Molly was in the kitchen muttering about the clutter of equipment she was having to work around. She turned around from the sink when Chrissy walked in. Hiding out, were you? I wish I had the kindness to take me with I wish you'd had the kindness to take me with you instead of leaving me here. I said bad. Bad? The older woman put a dirty pan in the dishwasher. She ran you down like a runaway tanker. She got Judd convinced that you're pouting because he's paying her a lot of attention. Do you think you're totally immature? I think she's a pain in the butt, Chrissy said quickly, tossing her head aside before she sprawled on a chair at the kitchen table. He bought her an emerald ring from the look of it. It had several diamonds, too. Marty he bought it for her? With what? She explained, he doesn't have that kind of money. He probably bought it out of his savings, she said miserably. And what could I say, even if I knew for sure? It isn't fair that he has to spend every penny he makes to keep this place going. Oh, baby, Marty said, oh, I'm sorry. I saw the ring, but I had no idea. Are you sure he bought it for her? She said he did. I'm not about to go ask him. If that's what you mean, I'm already in his bad book because I wanted cash to teach me how to shoot a pistol. And she isn't. He doesn't like cash. He says there are things in Cass's past that he can't tell me. But I'm not planning to marry him. He's just my friend. I think he'll like to be more. Chrissy smiles. I'm married. Not that it matters to anybody else. Monty grimaced and started the dishwasher. Made a pleasant cheering sound in the silence of the kitchen. She doesn't know that. What difference would it make if she did? Chrissy asked with a lost plea. Women like her don't recognize obstacles. She can have any man she likes. She told me so herself. She had a really wicked smile. No ca not cash cry. Oh, Monty can count. Chrissy laughed, but not her one. At least one man isn't taken in by that poisonous smile. Marty looked at the younger woman. Men will always look at something beautiful, but how many men would want to marry a face that every other man covets? How could he be sure that she'd be faithful to him? If she loved him, she might. She loves baubles, and she can't get past her own assets to notice anybody else's. You watch her, she added from him. She cut you out with Judd any way she can, and she's vindictive. Judd doesn't want me to be again with, Christy said on side. He never did. She discounted that long, lingering kiss. It had been, after all, only a point of comparison for her. It wasn't as if he followed it up. Then she remembered the strange, quick kiss in the SUV when he brought her home from lunch and town with cash. She still didn't understand it. Then Judd wasn't himself late. Where did you go? Where did you guys this afternoon? See my dead young heifer bull, came the setter boy. I'm pretty sure he was poisoned like our young sailor's bull. The fence was cut just like the other two. Well, he and you haven't told Judd, Marty said. You know, he'd think I was making it up. Chrissy said something. Tippy Moore would have would help him think it was just another plea for attention. Not if Nick backed you up. He'd say I put Nick up to it. No, I have to have proof this time. Marty interrupted. Child, this is getting very dangerous. You shouldn't be riding out alone, even with a gun. You and Nick, Chrissy explained to you. We're both right, and you know it's. She exclaimed softly. I'll tell Cash Grier, she said finally. He's the one person who'll believe me without reservation, Marty answered. Joe owns half the range. I know that, Marty, she replied. But this is just a dead bull. He's investigating a murdered pregnant woman, and it's hard for him. It would be for a minute to son, Marty. He was a sensitive boy. He learned how to hide all that since he grew up. 
but it's there just the same. Maybe the model keeps his mind off the arenas he has to see. Maybe she does, Chrissy said no one coming over. Could you feed me something? She had a whispered. I didn't get breakfast. Of course I can. Of course I can. What do you want? Soup. I'll get a jar out of that kind of beef soup. Soup I made last summer. Out of the pantry and make you some cornbread to go with it, Molly said to Mom. Chrissy sighed and leaned back at her. Comfort food, she murmured to herself and then laughed at her own whimsy. Before Judd got back to the ranch to question Chrissy about why she was avoiding him, Leo Hart phoned her with some information about the herd sire of his house pool. He told her that the man from Victoria who bred them, Jack Hanley, had fired the Clark brothers and lost his prize sire's bull and all four young bulls that had sired to mysterious causes. When he heard about Christina Bell's bull dying, he had one of his dead bulls autopsied and poison was found. He checked and found a pattern of cattle theft and retribution with the clerks that went back two years. At least four employees had talked of similar problems with them. The Clark brothers were sus suspected in the death of Hanley's bull, but they had alibis. John had been in Jacobsville visiting his brother, and they had a witness, a man named Gold, who swore they were with him at a radio during the time of the poisonings. In fact, Gold worked for Hanley and had a reputation as a hard worker who never made trouble. She told Cash about it on one of their fishing afternoons in the pay and fish trout pond outside of town. It was a hobby they both shared and good eating when they caught anything. The pond stayed open until the end of October, which it almost was. The afternoons were cool and sunny and pleasant this time of year. Leah said he tried to tell Judd about it, but he was in a hurry and didn't have time to listen. She said as they sat with their feet dangling from the dock and washing their corks float. He glanced at her straightening in his line. Have you had any more trouble? She shook her head. I know the clocks are guilty. I just wish I could prove it. We had a tip about a black pickup truck with a red stripe. One like Hop Downing saw parked near your fence in connection with the murder in Victoria. But we checked every ranch in Jacobsville and we didn't find a single one that matched it. If it was the Clarks, maybe they ditched it after, the down after Downing saw it. The vet had confirmed that poison had been used on her headfern bull. Chrissy had told Cash, but still hadn't told Judd. Searched her eyes for a long time and then looked back to her like, If they did poison your livestock, we'll catch them sooner or later. You ought to ask Hob if he'd seen the black pickup truck anymore since then, she commented. You might have remembered something more, too. Have you talked to him about the latest bull that was poisoned? No, she replied. The heifer bull was, wasn't kept in a pasture near his place. He couldn't have seen anything. Suppose we stop by there on the way back to the ranch and talk to him anyway. She smiled. If we catch two more fish, we can share with him. He does love a nice pan of trout. He and my dad used to fish together. You don't talk about your father much. She drew a long breath. When he was sober, he was a wonderful man. But the scars are deep physically as well as emotionally. He hurts. It hurts to remember sometimes. He only nodded. But his face was expressive. Half an hour later, they parked up their six fish, packed up their six fish in an ice-filled chest, and drove down the highway to hob down his little cabin. His old beat-up truck was still parked when he had, where it had been the day Chrissy had ridden up to talk to him. She frowned. He usually drove into town to get groceries at least once a week. Odd that he hadn't parked. Odd that it had. Have parked in exactly the same spot. Either that or the truck hadn't been moved. And something else was odd. The front door was closed. 
but the screen door was standing ajar. Hob always kept it closed so that he could open the wooden door without having one of his cats rushed in by him. That's strange, he remembered as they got out of the trunk. He never leaves the screen door open like that. Before she finished the sentence, Cat, who was several feet in front of her, tried the wooden door, found it unlocked, and opened it. He stopped abruptly and his whole body stiffened. What's wrong? She said. I think you better wait here. She scuffed. I'm no Lily. She remembered following right along behind him to the open door. There was a smell, a very sickening sweet smell. Chrissy had never smelled it before, and she gave it only a passing thought as she went into the living room where Cash was standing. The sight that met her eyes was so horrible that she gagged. She turned and ran back onto the porch and lost her breakfast and her lunch. Hanging over the porch railing, like a limp rag, while tears of shock and outrage and grief poured down her white face. Absently, she heard Cash calling for an ambulance, a coroner, and a crime scene technician from the Department of Public Safety. She also heard him add a call to the Texas Ranger Station in Victoria, temporarily located in the sheriff's office there. Cash got her off the porch to his truck. He opened the passenger door and Sitted her on the running board. Seconds later, he handed her a silver flash. Don't smell it. Don't think about what it is. Just drink it. Said firmly, holding it to her mouth. She took a long swallow, choked, and cried some more. Josh drew her head to his chest and held it there, smoothing her hair, uttering words she didn't really hear. The ambulance came, followed by a sheriff's deputy. The coroner arrived five minutes later. Yellow police tape was stretched all around the front yard and the house. What are they doing? Chrissy asked Cash. Because until they can perform an autopsy, any suspicious death is open for classification, it's required. You might have a heart attack or a stroke. What are you doing? But it could have just as easily been a homicide. There was a crowbar next to the body and the hydro bone. And the throat was broken. Hyoid bone. Bone in the throat was broken. He added professionally. They'll go over the house with fire, fingerprint tape and document every single clue they can collect right down to fingerprints and footprints and trace evidence on his clothing. She gaped at him. They'd want to kill poor old Hob. She explained. He held her hand in his. It's all pickup truck and two suspicious people at your fence. You know. Oh, for heaven's sake, it was only a cut fence. They didn't even steal anything, she explained. Nobody could prove who it was, and even then, it's not murder or anything. He didn't say anything. His eyes were narrow and on the house where all the activity was located. After a minute, he left her and went to talk to the medical examiner. A while later, Judd arrived in his SUV along with the crime scene technicians in their van. Cash went to meet them. Judd glanced toward the truck where Christina Bell was sitting and hesitated. Cash motioned him up onto the porch. They went into the house with the other law enforcement and medical people. It was several minutes before they came back out. Christina Bell had taken three large gulps of brandy from Cash's flask. It had sedated her, but she didn't think... She could ever close her eyes again without seeing what was left of poor old Hob Downey. He'd obviously been dead some time, considering the con condition of the body. She barely recognized him. Christina Bell. 
Jared Judd's deep voice, as if through a fog, turned the right face up to his con, concerned eyes and studied it. Jacques, Jacques, he told Cashman, she'll never, she's never seen anything like this. I'm going to run her to the hospital and have the resident check her out. You are not, she said huskily. I'm fine. Judd actually that isn't a sight you should ever have been exposed to, he said harshly and glared at Cash. He tried to stop me. She defended the old man. I wouldn't listen. She got to her feet a little unsteadily and handed Cash the flash. Took a wobbling breath. What is, what's in that? Judd asked Cash, indicating the flash. Orange juice, she told Judd firmly. It can't be brandy. Because I'm underage and Cass wouldn't break the law on my account. Judge knew Cass had, but the circumstances were extreme and it was no time to split hairs. Alright. Cash driver home. I can't leave until the guys from the state crime lab finish. It looked as if he was killing him. That he had to let her go with Cash. Christina Bell stared at him. It's a homicide, isn't it? She asked and I asked him. Think somebody killed him. His arrow's nice. He, his eyes narrowed. I'm having all the angles checked. He exchanged a look, long look for Cash. Once evidence is lost, it can't ever be regained. Get her out of here, Cash. She started to argue. Cash hesitated. Judge walked right around Cash, picked her up gently, and put her in back into the pickup truck, strapped her in. She could feel the heat from his body at the proximity. She felt safe. She wanted to climb into his arms and hold on tight. Then she remembered the ring he'd given Tippy. Never given her anything so personal. He never would. Her sigh was audible. Saw the expression on her face and frowned curiously. His big hands held her arms firm. You stay with Monty until I get there, baby. He said her tone, so tender and made her work. Don't leave the house and try not to think about what you've seen. She felt the pain of him hit her so. You have to look at things like that all the time, don't you? She asked. He nodded slowly. Her hand went to his hard mouth and pressed there gently. I'm so sorry. She whispered. Her voice broke. She bit her lower lip and steady herself. His chest rose and fell heavily. So am I. He pulled the palm of her hand to his mouth and kissed it hungry. I'd have cut off my arm to keep you from having to see that. He ground up. It's all right, she said huskily and managed to smile. I can handle it. We just go out there and get the guy who did it, okay? <laughs> Took a deep breath. She had grit. He smiled up. You're one tough customer, Christina Bell Gaines. He murmured. Okay, Tiger. I'll catch the perp. You go home. She grinned, grinned a spider pal. Okay, boss. <laughs> He's my grim. I'll see you later. Turned without another word and went back up onto the porch of the house. Cash climbed in beside her and buckled his own seatbelt with a quick glance at her face. Your game, Christy Gaines, he said with pride. With pride, most other women would have screamed or fainted. He just threw up. <laughs> she managed to wait I bet you never have. You lose. He started the engine and pulled out into the road. First homicide I worked as a rookie cop was in a locked house in the summer. There were three victims, a double homicide and a suicide, and the victim victims had been in there for a week. I actually passed out. He gave her an affectionate grin. You can't imagine what it was like to have to go to work the next day. 
I can't do. I learned from John that cops have really quirky senses of humor on the job. Yeah, they do. I found a dead squirrel in my locker. A dead squirrel in my patrol car's truck. A dead squirrel hanging from my apartment doorknob when I got home. Needless to say, I never let them see me see weakness again. Neither will I, she replied firmly, wrapping her arms around her chest. The first time is always the hardest, isn't it? With anything. Yes, he glanced at But you can live with it. You can live with a lot. Just getting used to it. She leaned her head back against it. You think Cobb was killed, don't you, Cash? He was quiet for a minute. I don't think anything right now. Like Judd said, we want to do a thorough job of investigating just in case. He glanced at her. But for the time being, you don't go riding fence alone, even if you do carry a gun alone. She nodded. She, nodded. she didn't meet his eyes. Judd would have made her promise. Cash didn't know her well enough. Feeling better? He asked. Yes. I was thinking about medical examiner, Sheila. Judd's best friend, Mark Brandon, is always joking about one of the medical examiner's assistants up in San Antonio, a crime scene technician named Alice Jones. It was a rather quirky sense of humor. Dear old Jabba liver Alice, Cash chuckled. Everybody knows her. She's a local legend. How do you look at things like that day after day, year after year? She wanted to know. Goes with the job description. Try to think about the victim, not about how you react to looking at him or her. You think about finding the perpetrator and putting him away so that he can't do it again. You're lucky you don't have to see things like that too often, he said. But some guys can't handle it, especially the ones who are the most affected and refuse to admit that it bothers them. They think they should be above squeamishness over anything connected to the job. Officers like that and officers who are involved in fatal shootings sometimes just can't deal with it. A lot of them quit the job afterward. A few others become alcoholics or suicides. <laughs> she nodded. Jad had told her all that too. She glanced up at you don't drink, he said, occasionally, never enough to lose control. Neither does Judd, he smiles from me. Judd's one of those hard cases who can't admit weakness. He's never killed a man. In fact, I don't think he's ever had to shoot anybody. He shot a man in the leg he was trying to knife another officer when he was on the Jacobsville Police Force. The man lived and didn't even limp up afterward. Lucky Judd. She studied the hard face across from him. You've killed men. His whole body stiffened. He didn't look at her. She wanted to say something else, something comforting, but he looked like stone. She moved restlessly, embarrassed at having said something so blankly personal. Her eyes turned to the landscape passing by. Hob doesn't have any family. The county will take care of the funeral expense, I'm sure. He said after a minute, he'll get a decent burial at least. Poor old man. He didn't have anything much. Do you really think somebody would kill him just because he saw them cut a fence? I don't know. No matter what, at least he died quick. He didn't, he didn't linger. She said, I hope so. I really do. Judd stopped by the house on his way back to Victoria. Christina Bell was in the kitchen with Maudie, smiling and helping with bread and pie making. I'm fine, she said. No need to worry about me. He hesitated. His black eyes narrowed on her face. She was still a little pale. When did you last see her? About a week ago, she said, and then remembered why she couldn't tell him what was discussed on Hobbs' front porch. Was he well? Just like always, she said, glaring at Marty, who was about to say something. I even told Marty that he looked better than ever, didn't I, Marty? She added pointedly. Marty grimaced. 
Yes, you did. Poor old fella. He was a kind so If you're okay... If you're okay, I'll get back to work, he told Christine about. You still look shaken. She managed to smile for him. That would shake anybody. Probably so. Stay close to the house for a lot. Well, let Nick and the boys do the outriding. Whatever you say, Judge, she agreed pleasantly. He gave her a long I mean it. His eyes never took Promise me. He had it deliberately. She thought for a minute. I promise I'll stay close to the house. All right. He gave her a last look, nodded to Monty, and went out the back door. Liar, Monty crumbled at him. Some of the fence lines are close to the house, she replied. Besides, I'll help. I'll have to help Nick and the boys check for other breaks. We're short-handed since Larry quit and Bobby went back to school part-time. I'll tell Cash, she promised. If Judd if finds out, Monty groaned. Two days later, Chrissy rode to the pasture where they put one of four remaining young heifer and bulls. They split them up, hoping it would deter any more poisoning. She carried the borrowed rifle again and Cash's cell phone in her holder on her belt. He made her take it and told Nick to stay close to her around the ranch. Nick couldn't do any more with her than Cash did, and this time she almost paid the price. Just as she rode past a huge oak tree near the fence, a man stepped out into her path. She had good reaction speeds. By the time he was in position, she had the rifle out and she thin cock. She didn't point it at him, but it lay across her blue jean legs, and her eyes told him that she'd shoot, given the least provocation. You gonna shoot me, boss lady? Jack Clark drawled, eyes narrow as he stared up at her from the dirt path. The second you make a move toward me, she nodded, and she didn't blink. I saw you coming this way from the road, he said, nodding toward the highway, which was only a few hundred feet away. I want you to stop spreading rumors about me in Jacobsville, he added in a cold tone. I didn't steal anything from you. I bought a pair of boots because I tore one of mine up when I was haying with the old tractor you used. You owed me those boots. If you'd come to us and asked, we would have replaced them, she replied, feeling scared and sick but determined not to let it show. Her hand tightened on her rifle. You didn't. You bought the most expensive pair you could find and had them charged to the ranch. Okay, no cause to fire a man without giving him a hearing. He was giving her a look that showed her blood. It was the same look he'd given her when he worked briefly for her and Judd until he was let go in early September. He liked women, but none of them would give him the time of day. He had bad teeth and an ugly attitude, not to mention a vulgar way of talking to women. He was a homely man with sharp features and thinning hair, lean and mean looking. His clothes were always rumpled and his hair looked as if it was never washed. He was the most repulsive man she had ever seen. He was wearing a flannel shirt and a putrid shades of black and green and yellow that looked almost as repulsive as he did. You had your say, she said flatly. She shifted the gun, pressed Cash's pre-key number into the cell phone and started down, stared down at him with cold deliberation. You're trespassing. I want you off my land. Now, oh, now, I've just put the assistant police chief's number into this phone. I only have to press a button, and he'll know where I am and why I called. He hesitated, measuring the distance between them. Even if she could send that number, a response wouldn't come at once. At his sides, his fist clenched, and he began to smile speculatively. He took a quick step forward. In a split second, Chrissy had the rifle shouldered and was looking down the barrel. Safety's off, she said calmly. Your move stopped short when she put the rifle up. Now he hesitated again. 
as if measuring that distance a second time and weighing how quickly she could fire. But one look at her eyes told him what she'd do if he moved again. His threatening stance she no call to try and shoot a man for asking a civil question, he said angrily. My arm's getting tired, she said pointedly. He cursed a sharp, vulgar word that was accompanied by the most disgusting leer she'd ever seen. Wouldn't be worth it at that. You're more boy than girl, even if you are blonde. I'd rather have something pretty. You'd be lucky, she muttered. I had me a pretty blonde woman once, he shot back, and then flushed, turned on his heel and stopped back through the wooded area toward the highway. You'll pay, you little bitch, he yelled back at her. You'll pay good. I'll make sure you ever open your mouth. I'll make sure you're sorry you ever opened your mouth. Her hands were shaking. She put the safety on the rifle. She heard an, an engine rev up, and she caught a glimpse of a battered old tan pickup truck as Clark drove past the path she was riding, laying down on his horn belligerently as he sped away. Definitely not a black truck with a red stripe either, she noted. She let out the breath she'd been holding, put the rifle away, rode quickly back to the house. She wasn't surprised to find her heart beating in her throat like a drum. She wanted to ask Maudie for advice. It had been a scary few minutes, and she wasn't sure what to do next. But Maudie wasn't home when she got there. She made herself a cup of coffee and decided that this time she couldn't handle things alone. She unfastened cast cell phone from her belt, pressed in the number of Cash's office. When it didn't ring, realized that she'd forgotten to push the send button. She pressed it angrily and waited for someone to answer. Cash picked up himself. Cash, could you come out here for a few minutes? He asked in a grocery tone. Are you all right? He asked once. Yes, Jack Clark was here. I had to threaten to shoot him. There was hesitation. I know. He said after me. He's here in my office filing a complaint. Says you pulled a gun on him with no provocation. He wants you arrested. End of chapter 7.